0: Ready, set, hunt. and we have a special guest on uh, Two and Out this week. It is Bruno Branco. We know him on social media as Pro Stats Canada. He's stepping out from behind the handle today. I guess now he's also an author. So, Bruno, thanks for being here on the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Now, we're going to get to the book right away here, but first I just want to ask you about your relationship with football and Canadian football in general. Where did it all begin for you?
1: So it's interesting because uh, I'm a first-generation Canadian. My uh, parents are Portuguese, uh, and I wasn't raised with North American football at all. Mm. Uh, We were European soccer fans. I I remain a European soccer fan to this day. Uh, My dad still calls North American football the melon game. To this day, because of the (laughs) oblong shape of the ball. Uh, Yeah, we don't understand anything about North American football, where where my family's from. But it's something that, uh, you know, I probably discovered in my mid-20s in college. Uh, And ironically, I came to the CFL game via the NFL. So, you know, it sort of began by, you know, I would go to the gym, get some workouts in, and there was always NFL highlights on TV. I started following along a little bit, really got into the game, really started appreciating the intricacies of it, how you have so many different types of players, you know, you need specific sizes for specific positions. It's just such an intricate game, and I found it beautiful. Uh And at some point, this is probably, I don't know, 2007-ish, I thought, you know what? There's like we have a league up here. Like I had heard of the Argos, I knew of the CFL, I just I had never watched it. So I started watching it and I fell in love with the CFL game. It's it's just I found it beautiful. So many things about the NFL game that I found a little bit frustrating, that I found the CFL game fixed to me. You know, like the like the touchback, like the the NFL kickoff is probably the most anticlimactic way to start a game, right? Yeah. I don't feel like returning this one. I'm just going to take a knee in the end zone. You're going to give me 25 yards for free and we'll start again, right? Uh, I don't know. These are the things that the CFL does right really well and and that sort of attracted me to it. And I just fell in love with the rest of it over time.
0: So from your background appreciating, I guess, European football, was that kicking game in the CFL probably hooked you even more, right? Because there was there still yeah. is that kicking element today that is celebrated in Canadian football.
1: Yeah, the the kicking element is actually an important part of Canadian football. Yeah. And that's something that I, I really appreciate and how special teams is a legitimate third of the game. Right. It's not like an afterthought like it is in the NFL. So uh, coming from Portuguese background, we love kicking balls. So yeah. it's a it's a it's a win win for us.
0: Now on social media with ProStats Canada, and now I'll be honest, uh, some of this stuff kind of flies over my head, but you you analyze the game a little bit with production ratings, right? And you've been releasing those stats for uh, a few seasons now. How did you get so deep into the game and analyzing it that way?
1: So it's funny because I don't have a statistical background, right? Uh, My... My um, profession—I'm a police officer, so by nature, I investigate things, I right. follow evidence, and see where it leads. Uh, and I just started, sort of, uh, I sort of created this little, basically, I call it a comparative performance evaluation algorithm—just a complicated set of words to mean a, a series of calculations that I do that sums up a player's production into one single number. Right? I was sort of trying to, at the time, be the pff of the cfl Mm -hmm. they weren't involved with the cfl at the time and i i uh, really appreciate sort of a little bit more of an in-depth analysis of the game that they do and i thought it would be cool for cfl fans to have something like that as well and and i i just got started with that and sort of been building off of it ever since and basically i'm rating their statistical production so unlike pff that's basically doing uh you know um plays over expected or whatnot. They do a different type of evaluation. I'm just rating their statistical output because at the end of the day, a player is making 12 tackles a game. That's a heck of an output. Anyway, you slice it, right?
0: Yeah. Now, the book, Bush League, if they were good enough, they'd be in the NFL, which – When I see that title, and I think anybody listening to the show, we're probably preaching to the choir a little bit. I mean, we know that uh, (laughs) we're fans of the CFL. We're diehards. We're listening to podcasts and consuming all that content. And I I think your story is interesting in the way. I think a lot of Canadians, maybe maybe they... discover the CFL, they go to their first pro football game in a CFL stadium, and then maybe they see the NFL on TV. But you kind of went the opposite way. And uh, so you had an appreciation, I think, for the athletes, no matter what game they were playing, American or Canadian. At one what point did you decide you had to put this in a book to, to sort of prove how good uh, Canadian Football League players actually are?
1: So, I'm Torontonian born and raised, as you can see, repping the hometown team (laughs) here. Uh, And in this area of the country, unlike other areas of the country who do respect the CFL and do appreciate it for for its quality, there's this sentiment here, and it ultimately became the subtitle of my book, that, oh, if they were good enough, they'd be in the NFL. So, a lot of NFL snobs in this area, whether I like to say it or not, that's the truth, right? Uh, And no matter how many conversations I had with people, they would always resort to this, what I ultimately dubbed the haters mantra, right? If they were good enough, they'd be in the NFL. That sort of ends the argument. There's no debate. If they were good enough to be there, that's that. They must suck because they're here. Uh, And it bothered me because like, I'll give you a quick example. When I started my career as a police officer, one of the guys that came in with me was a former CFLer. Now, I'll keep his name out of it, uh, but this guy, uh, during his playing career, was a backup DB, basically all the teams he played at, ma- mainly specials. This guy was chiseled out of marble. I had never seen such a specimen in my life. And I, w- while this dude is towering over me, and I'm like, you are a backup in the CFL? Like, oh, good lord. Like, that's an <laughs> athlete and a half that's not being used on a team. I'm like, what? Do they got down there? Like, what kind of athletes are playing the CFL? And that sort of really, really opened my eyes to to the caliber of athletes we actually do have playing here. Uh, and again, I wanted to sort of debunk this idea. And like you said, it is preaching to the choir because a lot of us do know, and people who really do know football, they can they can appreciate that you know football is a spectrum. And the reality is, in in the NFL, there's only a certain amount of you know positions. Period. Just because they're not there doesn't mean they don't have the ability to be there. But there's a whole lot of other stuff that has to line up right for them to get that opportunity, right? And and so I, I wrote this book as sort of a, a, a factual, you know, just just a, a way to present evidence to those naysayers.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the fascinating thing is that you're backing it up with some really some measurables, right, uh, from from the ground up, just to show how good these players actually are. You kind of spoke about it a little bit, but what are some myths about CFL players that just drive you crazy?
1: Well, that, you know, a, a good U.S. high school team could beat a CFL uh, team, right? You know, yeah. uh, the, any team in the NCAA, SEC team, or Alabama would dominate the CFL type of thing. That, that's That's horse crap pardon the expression, like it's just not true. You're talking about grown men, professional grown men against, albeit highly talented children, They're kids, right? They're mm-hmm. just not, they're just not there yet. Uh, so aside from, you know, the, that, that, that mentality that, that, that the general population has, I think a lot of that is brought on by just how powerful the NFL is as a brand, right? because, the, their level of production is is fantastic, right? Unmatched. They make all their players appear to be larger than life. The reality is there's no league, sports league, on planet Earth in any sport that comes close to the revenue of the NFL. It's It's the world's behemoth. So to compare it from a production standpoint or anything like that or a financial standpoint, you're going to say, well, I believe the gap is as big as their financial gap. And that's just not true. Uh, so again, that's that's where I started with all this, and even more important than all the the data, which I do believe backs up uh, a lot of it, is 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 the statements. There's a lot of quotes in the in the book that I've collected over the years from players, coaches, GMs, people that have actually been involved in both leagues and what they actually have to say about it. You know, I had the opportunity to briefly chat with uh, Deontay Spencer, Delvin Bro, mm. and guys that have been there and done that. When they say something, I'm going to listen, right? I never played it down in my life. But these guys that have been there and done that in both leagues can actually say, you know what, based on our experience, this is what we believe. And I've included a lot of that in in the book as well.
0: Yeah, I think the players know. I, I think the uh, front offices know uh, throughout football, but getting through to fans or everyday people it almost sometimes feels like a fool's errand and and i appreciate that you put the work in and, and made a book out of it because sometimes uh cfl fans i think we have a bit of a complex where we feel like we need to defend the league and defend yep. the game and it it, it becomes exhausting sometimes. And sometimes it's just, ah, well, let people think what they think. But at the same time, we want to get through to them because we want to grow the game. We want people to respect the, uh, the CFL here. And when you talk to guys like Spencer and Bro, those are some great examples. And if I remember correctly, Delvin Bro had uh, some misdiagnosed injury issues that took him out of the NFL and he probably yep. would have stuck there if they would have figured that out properly. So there's a lot more that goes into a player making it in the NFL than just talent. Can you talk about oh, yeah. that a little bit?
1: Absolutely. So I addressed this in the book as well. And there's numerous examples of, of situations that uh, will cause a player to stick or not stick. Like uh, one of my profile players, Andrew Hawkins, I'm quoting him as saying, you know, there's a thin line between starting in the NFL and working in a factory. One bad decision, and I'm on the wrong end of it, right? Those are not my words. That's Hawkins's words. This is a guy that played in the CFL, had quite a lengthy and successful NFL career as well. Uh, and in the book, I examine factors like, for example, people don't think about it, but, but nerves, for example. An athlete is superhuman in many aspects, but they're still subject to the same human tendencies as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Sometimes when their number is called and the lights are on as bright as they are down there they just freeze or they don't play up to their potential and in, in the NFL you got to bring it right the heck now there's no you know there's no leeway there if you're not a first or second round draft pick you're not getting another chance if you don't impress immediately on your first that's the end of it probably your last you know there's a sunk cost fallacy which I go into in a bit of detail as well in in the sense of a player is drafted by a team, that team has invested some significant capital in them already, right? They've already got, they've got some guaranteed money in their contract. A player might come along, perhaps from the CFL that shows potential, perhaps playing at a very comparable level to that player. If they have to choose between the two, we know who they're gonna choose. The one who they invested in already, right? They're gonna have to get a return on that investment. And that's something that a lot of times people don't really consider, but plays a pretty significant role uh, echoed by the, you know, some statements from players in the book as well uh, about that injuries. You'll have a player uh, like take uh, John Mechie who, you know, drafted to, to the Texans. His first season was completely out from a, from an injury. And now he's sort of coming back, but like heaven forbid, he suffers an injury now that's going to sideline him for the whole second season. He's been in the NFL three years. He's going to have no tape to show for it. Right. At some point, Somebody's gonna lose faith. Maybe cut him. Does that mean he couldn't play? It just meant, it meant he ran into some pretty significant injury trouble. Uh, you know, trouble with the law. Uh, casualty of the numbers game. Right? You got fifty-three men. You got to keep on that roster, and sometimes you got to make some real hard decisions to say, "Well, I, I'd like to keep you, but we really need this elsewhere. So unfortunately, you can't stay." It, it, it really—it's—it's it's, it's as simple as that. Uh and, and also small school bias, which, mm. you know, it is a real thing that if you have two players that ultimately are playing comparably, you're going to have one player that played at Bama and the other player that played in some FCS level school, they're probably going to say, you know, you know, tit for List. I'm going to choose the, the, the Bama guy instead of the, you know, the FCS level school guy who pota- potentially could have had a much higher potential, but at the end of the day is never going to get the chance to show it. Right. So there's so many things involved, so many things that have to line up correctly for a player to actually get a uh, an opportunity to show what he can do. It's not as simple as
0: all that. Yeah. Any big sports league, whether it's Major League Baseball, the National Hockey League, it takes a lot for a player to. To make it. And I would say players probably progress in their uh, career at different paces. Like a, a player might hit his prime and his peak at 26 or 27 years old. Well, that's four years removed from university. And a lot of times the NFL is not patient enough to wait that four years, right?
1: Yeah. So the the uh, an aspect that has been sort of, you know, we don't really think about, but The NFL is not paid to develop players, right? Coaches are not paid to develop players. They're paid to win games right now. So if you don't come in ready to win right now, they'll move on to the next one because somebody else will be ready right now. Maybe that player needs a little bit more time. I mean, in the book, I quote Bucky Brooks, who says that in in reality, it takes about three years to figure out if a guy can play or not at Mm. the NFL level. Now, like you said, most guys are not getting three years to get to figure that out. First and second round picks perhaps will. If you're a fourth, fifth, sixth or undrafted free agent, you're not getting anywhere near that. So unless you bring it immediately and are able to, you know, draw the coach's eye away from the incumbents, uh, players with a previous NFL experience already under their belts or draft picks that they already invested so much money and time in, your your, your chances of making the league are very, very slim and that has nothing to do with your talent or lack thereof. It's just the, the whole set of circumstances that are essentially conspiring against you at that point.
0: I know you go in depth in the book about this, but how what are the metrics you use to compare players on both sides of the border to prove how good the Canadian football athletes actually are?
1: So the concept is relatively simple. It's let's analyze, I figure let's analyze how because you don't have interleague play, neither will we ever have interleague play. So we we won't never we'll never be able to know how they fare head to head. But Let's take how a player performed in the CFL, what level they played at. And when they play in the NFL, let's see how they played in the NFL and what level they played at compared to their peers there. Because so, the idea is that if you were to take, let's say I play beer league hockey, right? And I'm darn good in my beer league and I'm scoring three goals a game. But if you take me and put me in the AHL, my production is inevitably going to decline Because I'm not as good as those guys. I really, I'm going to look out of place. So it's sort of using that same idea that if you take a CFL player that was an all-star, you put him in the NFL and he has the same amount of opportunities to play. What does that look like, right? Is there a decline? And if so, how big is that decline? And that's sort of, that was the idea that I had in, being able to compare. Essentially, I'm comparing a player to himself. What was he able to do in the CFL? How did he rank in the CFL against his peers? And what did he do in the NFL? And who did he compare to in the NFL? That sort of gives us a little bit more of a balanced uh, balanced perspective about, about things. Because any CFL-NFL comparison, to some people, it's sacrilege. I, I shouldn't even be talking about this. You can't compare them. They're incomparable. But that's just not true. Right. The rules are different. Yes, there are different nuances to the game. Yes, there are lots of things that make the games different and they are, in fact, different. Uh, But it is a comparable game. Ask anybody who's played both of them and they'll tell you, right. Football is football. Uh, So I'll use an example. Delvin Bro, who we've already spoken about. So 2014 season playing CFL All-Star level ball. Right. Transitions to the NFL. Very next season, starting corner for the New Orleans Saints. Now, he goes 1v1 against Julio Jones, right? In this game, man coverage. This is Julio Jones, probably the best season of his career, ends up with 1,800 yards. You know, he's averaging 116 receiving yards a game. This dude is like the upper echelon of the NFL. Now, I actually have a video that I posted on my, on my social about this. Somebody else compiled it and I just sort of reposted it there. And when we watch, uh, a, Delvin, bro, Julio Jones, one of you, one. Does Delvin look out of place? He doesn't look out of place. He held him to 93 yards with no touchdown. So he held him to a below average performance for that season. And this is the NFL's absolute best receiver. So that would sort of leave me scratching my head if I'm an a to say, well, if this dude, this dude was a CFLer and he's defending literally the best receiver the NFL has to offer and he's making him look pretty average, right? Average for for, for Julio standards. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, again, that's sort of the idea, to, to give people a little bit more of a perspective.
0: Would you say that there are certain positions that translate better on both sides of the border? Like, I feel like if a cornerback in the CFL can shut down guys with a waggle, I feel like going to the NFL, while well, there's probably... Uh, with the smaller field, different angles, different leverages that they want to use when covering a receiver. I feel like that would be uh, a head up. Uh, If you can cover receivers with a running start, you might do okay in the American game. Oh, absolutely.
1: Uh, And not only that, but even something from the perspective of the player sizes. Uh, I did an in-depth examination of player sizes per position and compare them in both leagues. And there are some that are actually basically equal and that's defensive backs, wide receivers. I would hypothesize that the vast majority, if you're good in the CFL, you'd be pretty good in the NFL as well. Uh, Just from, even from a size perspective, Uh, like you said, that, that's the point that oftentimes is not talked about, but when you're guarding dues with a running start and now you're guarding dues static, it, you know, it, it does translate well. And, uh, most of the dudes that can make the transition easiest are going to be those, in my opinion, wide receivers and and defensive backs. And then you have the polar opposite end of the spectrum, which is the D line. Now, the D line, noticeable difference in terms of uh, in terms of weight, a little bit of height, mm-hmm. especially in, in NFL defensive interior guys. CFL basically doesn't use guys that big. Yeah. NFL defensive ends are basically CFL defensive interior. CFL defensive ends or NFL linebackers, uh, CFL linebackers are sort of like NFL safety size. So there's there are definite size discrepancies there and they're they're pretty substantial. Uh but g- in generally speaking, you know, a player's transition uh can be made easier or more difficult and in, and part of that has to do with like the sizes as well like I said. Which is, anything... is something that's not often thought of.
0: Was there anything you discovered while researching the book that surprised you, even opened your eyes a little bit? Well, I think basically that the masses are dead
1: wrong about the quality of play in the CFL. Like I I didn't approach this from the perspective of a CFL fanboy trying mm. to, you know, uh, you know, find corroborating evidence. I I started this project probably 10 years ago. Right. As a genuinely curious football fan, a fan of both leagues, interested in understanding the differences in the game and the difference in level of play. And the more I looked into it and the more opinions of, of actual experts that, that that I learned about, I became surprised to understand that the gap is so much smaller than the finances and, you know, the, the glitz and glamour of the NFL would imply. And I think that's what really did surprise me was, in fact, how high the level of play in the CFL really is.
0: Now, this is a big question, and uh, you may not have the answer. I don't know if anybody has the answer, but how do we get through to the naysayers in Toronto or anywhere else in uh, in Canada? That seems like maybe the tallest task of it of them all.
1: So I, it's funny because I've had this uh, conversation with Micah Awe and, uh, you know, he agrees. I agree with him that, you know, it's just basically just knowledge. We just have to keep mm. uh, providing knowledge. And that's what I intended to do with this book was to say, look, this is the truth. These are the facts. Whether you want to hate the CFL or not, that's entirely up to you. You don't have to like it. That's fine. But you can't say that there's no talent here because there is. And I've proved, right? It's It's proven objectively proven nobody's ever done anything like this before so i thought i i I thought you know what i I might be the first maybe i'm a crackpot i don't know but i'm going to put it out there and you can continue to hate but you're not going to be able to say there's no talent because i've just proven that there is right it's just we just got to keep the knowledge ball rolling that's all
0: Bush League, if they were good enough, they'd be in the NFL. Bruno, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Where can we buy the book? Is it anywhere? Is it certain spots online or whereabouts? It's on Amazon. If you search
1: Bush League on Amazon, you'll find it
0: hey all about that uh, prime delivery right <laughs> absolutely yeah i also have the links on my uh, on my socials
1: on uh, psc's channels on instagram and twitter uh so anybody uh, follows me can go there and check it out as well through the links there
0: awesome thanks for stepping out uh, from behind the curtain and talking about this book and giving us that great insight you've been working on for a decade or more thanks for coming on the show bruno Thanks so much for having, me. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.